Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back to another awesome episode of For the Love of Money. I am so freaking pumped for this episode with Jeremy Green because he is the dude that invented the face filters that we all are addicted to, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. This is the guy. This is the guy that thought up the idea, put together the team, and made it happen. So we have him to thank for that. But before we get into the interview, I want to remind you guys, Lori's World Famous Bliss Project event for women is almost sold out. If you're thinking about getting tickets, make sure you get them soon. All you have to do is go to theblissproject.info. Again, it's theblissproject.info. And if you are a woman who feels like you are trying to figure out what makes you happy, trying to figure out what your purpose is, trying to figure out what direction you're supposed to go in, then guess what? That is your tribe because everybody else there is trying to figure out the exact same thing and that is exactly what the Bliss Project Weekend provides for you. So go check it out, theblissproject.info. Now I am so stoked to get into this interview with Jeremy because he grew up in the foster care system and he went from trailer park to tech millionaire in one year, you guys, by partnering with Facebook. How amazing is that? And so he is walking proof that you can start anywhere and end up with as big of a dream come true as you want. We talk about his journey, his story. We talk about the people that he had to transcend and leave behind in order to make it happen. And there's even this really cool organic surprise that happens at the end when he pulls over a kid that he's mentoring as a result of his success. And we interview the kid a little bit on what he's learned when he's observed Jeremy working by meeting all these CEOs, by meeting all these A-lister celebrities, It's incredible. One of my favorite episodes I have ever done. So listen, sit down, get ready, because this episode is epic. All right, Jeremy, my man, thank you so much for making some time to be on. Of course. What's up, man? How are you? How's your day? Dude, it is excellent. I'm so glad that Mike connected us and and a couple of our other friends. Honored to have you. And actually, I'm Super excited to have everyone hear your story because it's a wild freaking story where you came from. It really is. So you got this crazy story of growing up. Do you mind kind of starting us there, what your your upbringing was like? I grew up really kind of poor, I think like eight miles, actually. Um, you know, I grew up in the trailer parks and like, you know, in the projects, all those type of things. Um, my sister was, you know, prostituting at a very young age. My mom was doing drugs and alcohol abuse. My brother was selling drugs. The state took me away at a very, very early age and put me in group home and kid shelters. Um, cause, and then when the place, the state didn't have a place to put me, um, they put me in the main youth center, which was like a little kid prison. It's like, um, <clears throat> it's literally a prison for kids. Um, they have a place to put me, so they locked me away in a five by eight cell for like three years of my life, um, which was pretty, I still have night terrors about it, but. I've had a pretty rough life, but obviously it doesn't dictate the type of person I am today. It's just, you know, just more knowledge. People understand that if you're me or if you're you, you can kind of do 
whatever you want to do. Like I never, I never, the other thing is I never let that like, I never let that kind of dictate to where I was going. I never felt like stagnant in one place. Like just because I grew up really poor and had a shitty life, I couldn't accomplish like amazing things. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So let's actually dig into that a little bit. So here you are. What age are you in this quote kid prison? Uh, so I'm like, I think I'm like 15 years old, like 15. That's insane. And so you're in this horrible situation and you're looking at your future and you grew up in this eight mile type situation. Are you thinking your future is going to be shitty or do you have hope for yourself? Like, what are you thinking no, at that age? Like, I always knew that there was something bigger for me. Like, I always just kind of knew that. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Honestly, I always thought it was going to be music, right? Because I always, like, loved to sing. Um, but I had no idea where things were going to lead me. But I knew something big was going to happen on the road. I just – I never got involved with drugs or alcohol <clears throat> because I had seen what it did to my family. And I just never – I never went down that road, ever. You said that you thought that maybe you're going to make it in music, and that's actually part of your story. Um, I had read that you kind of started by making music and putting it on MySpace, and then everyone yeah. starts sharing it illegally, but it turned out pretty damn good for you. Tell that story. So I started making music. Um, <clears throat> so I got, out, I got out of the youth center. Well, I, I got out of the youth center. I went to a place called Goodwill Hinkley that really taught me a lot of my values today. Um, it's like a private boarding school uh, for underprivileged kids. And then when I got out, I was 18 years old. I had no place to really go, got my own apartment, and just started figuring out, how, navigating, like, how I was going to do something. So I started, like, learning how to produce music through Cool Edit, this program, and I started uploading my music to, to MySpace, which really didn't do anything right away. Like, I, you know, there was all these major artists, and I started seeing that, like, artists were getting deals by climbing the charts. So I was like, God, I've got to get my music to, like, climb the charts so I can get in front of a fan base. <clears throat> so... I started noticing a lot of my songs started like leaking all over the place and I couldn't figure out how it was happening. And then one day <clears throat> I caught a hacker in my, um, in my Gmail and I started talking to him, Hey, wh why are you leaking my music? I spent like 20 hours putting one song together. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm helping you trust me. And I'm a fan. And I was like, if you want to help me, help me hack my space and like get my plays up through the roof. Right? So <laughs> we did, we did, we teamed up and I hacked MySpace. And I started getting crazy plays and crazy attention that turned into organic plays. Finally, like a guy named Tobin Walkison reached out to me from MySpace Records and MySpace with Tom Anderson. And they were like, look, we know you're hacking our system. We can't prove it, but we want to sign you. So they flew me out. I signed to MySpace and then everything became organic. and I became the number one artist in the world on MySpace, which was really crazy. That's insane. And you got a record deal with some pretty big names, right? Yeah. So I signed to MySpace Interscope. After that collapsed, and I put out, well, I put a record out with, with uh, me and um, Pitbull, right? As he was kind of on the verge of breaking, the record blew up, <clears throat> went everywhere. It was like I think one of the most played records in '09 on the internet. Um, then MySpace fell apart, and I got introduced to P Diddy. P Diddy signed me to Bad Boy Records, and I spent like two and a half years like learning everything from Puff, not only just like music and, but how it, I learned how to like really hustle and like get shit done like i really understood that like marking plays a big aspect in everything that you do in your life it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you market it and it looks brilliant it's brilliant so i spent like that time really just watching every move puff and i watched how he launched to rock and some of his artists and all those things and i just thought he was a genius and i just kind of took what i learned from puff and just kind of implemented it in the things that i do in day-to-day -day life 
So why did you drop the music thing? I mean, you, you kind of had everybody's dream scenario. You're signed with all the right people. You're hanging out with all the right people. You have a successful record. Why'd you drop it? I think that the music was, it was, I love doing it. I love singing, but I think there was like a bigger play there for me that like, I just liked creating. It didn't matter if it was music or writing a TV show or a script or come up with an app idea. I think it just came from a place of just wanting something more. And music is very like one direction. Like, you know, let's say you become Usher. Like you're going to make like a couple hundred million dollars, maybe, and like at like a 20 year process. But with technology, with the right idea, you can make a billion dollars and become a legend. And continue doing amazing creative things. So music, you create a song, it sells, you make a couple million dollars, whatever. And it's very like, it's a very much superficial life as well. And I just wanted to do things that I just thought were really awesome and would just like disrupt spaces. And music to me disrupts, but not on a level that technology does. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. So was it more that you were driven by the far larger cap of billions of dollars instead of millions of dollars? Or was it because you saw a way to be more disruptive in the industry on the tech side than on the music side? It was both. It's that I wanted to become a billionaire and I knew that music people wanted to get involved with tech. And I knew that if I became really powerful in tech, all the people that really didn't give me the attention that I thought I deserved would become crawling to me and eating out of the palm of my hand, which is kind of what happened. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Okay, bring us up to that space now because all the face filters we use, everything that we are addicted to, and, and I'll let you name the platforms, that's your responsibility. Like, you are the guy that has provided this for us. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it started off like, I met, so uh, I'm going to take you back. So, after leaving Bad Boy, <clears throat> I ended up back in, the, in this little shitty house. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have any money for gas. So, I was like on my last food. Like I had just nothing, and I ended up watching the social media uh, company. I'm sorry, I ended up watching the social network with my friend Derek, and I just looked at him and I was like, Jesus, we need to build something. Like nobody knows more about social content than I do. Like, and he was like, What are we gonna build? And I was like, I don't know. And I went to bed that night. And I dreamed up this idea of putting animation overlays on top of content, and the way I viewed it in my head was like. <clears throat> there was this big vertical of advertising. Like <clears throat> people would go on the internet and they just didn't want to be bombarded by ads, but then ads had to win. And then there was this big space where I thought that animations could play a huge factor in that. So the way I look at it is like if me and you are sitting on a beach and we take a picture through Instagram and we're drinking Ciroc vodka and all of a sudden you find an animation that is like a Ciroc bottle that slides into the frame. Like, what are you doing? Do you feel like you're being an individual and just adding some cool, like, oh, I'm drinking Ciroc, this is an Ciroc animation, super tight. But what you're actually doing is playing with a commercial, watching a commercial, and then you're sharing that commercial out into the space to be retweeted, rebinded, all over the place. Does that make sense? Yep. So I basically built this platform called Pink Tank. <clears throat> I cold called a guy named Tim Draper who owned a $19 billion hedge fund. And so once I built it, I started going on YouTube on anybody that had invested in Facebook. I saw this guy named Tim Draper who wanted to invest in Facebook but didn't make the, the transition. It didn't end up happening. I was like, that's our guy. <clears throat> he missed out on Facebook. He's going to totally get this. How do I get him on the phone? So I said, like, I called his office pretending to be some big Google executive, got him on the phone, pitched him the idea, told him the truth, that it, obviously, and he loved it. And he brought me out the next day. And he invested a half a million dollars on the spot in the company, which then gave me access to do kind of whatever I wanted. So then I built the team, <clears throat> started developing it, 
built this really amazing mansion and well not built it but rented this mansion and made it the office in in hollywood because i didn't want a traditional boring office so i was like hey i'm going to build a space that like influencers can come by and hang out by the pool and it was just this very interesting workplace and to launch the product <clears throat> i decided to throw this big event where i invite every social influencer in the world to the house <clears throat> i would do this huge prank where I would get fake arrested. So I, I hired these like fake police officers, detectives, fake helicopters and everything. And so I had, I had, had this big party. Everybody showed up. I rigged the entire house full of cameras. The doors, the cop kicked in the door, threw me to the ground. I knew immediately that everybody's phone would come out and it would start going viral. <clears throat> and then they tased my friend and it just was like crazy. And then I announced it was a prank. Everybody went crazy. But then I had Tiger and Kylie Jenner come walking down the stairs and Tiger performed for everybody. It just went mayhem. And then Pink Tech became a thing where everybody wanted to come to our events because I had like the biggest stars in the world who were my friends performing on the table. And then everybody started using the product. It just became like a big thing. Okay, so I gotta ask you though, like, hold on a minute here. You, <laughs> you barely graduated high school. You grew up in a foster system. You yes. weren't exactly groomed to be a businessman or an entrepreneur or a thinker. And here you are hanging out with like Tyga and Kylie Jenner and you have one of the most successful tech companies out there. How the, what's the gap? How the hell do you get the, the you know, the know-how how to do this? Well, I didn't know how to do it. What I knew is how to do is how to survive. I've been spending my whole life like figuring out how to survive. So I, to me, I thought it was very simple. If you could sell people on a product and if you could build a good product, you could, I could convince anybody to be a part of it. And that's what I was really good at. I was very good at like convincing people that they are the fear of missing out. I was like, if you're not a part of this, this is going to become a billion dollar company and you're going to miss out. And it just so happens I was right, which is crazy. But that's, that's the role that I took. I just really was like, look, if you're not a part of this thing, like you're whack and we'll find someone else. So it was really the fear of missing out. <laughs> Where'd you, get, where, where'd you get the, the posture to present yourself that way? The balls to call the billionaire out of the blue. Like, where does think, this come from? I think it came from like, I would always call these labels and like beg them to listen to my music. Um, I think it just came from that and like how it would track these people down. Like I would watch like behind the music and like write every name down. And like they had like a behind the music with like Justin Bieber or write his manager's name down or the A&R that signed him. And I would just call and make relationships with these people even though all I had was a cell phone in Maine and like nothing else. And I would just teach myself how to like <clears throat> really understand the way these people think and their triggering points, which would get them excited. So, so understanding like product and people is all about understanding people in itself, right? Well, I always go back and say like Steve Jobs is one of those brilliant minds and one of the best salesperson in the world. Cause we, what he was able to do is go, I like he would get you to buy this product at four times more the cost point and make you wait in line and then feel lucky to have it. So he made it feel like this product was like, if you don't have this, you're not cool. And he would just think outside the box. So that's the approach I took on everything that I did. Everything that I did. I always said like, <clears throat> building a good company starts with building an amazing product first, marketing it right, and then giving people the fear of missing it out. Like in those steps. It's really a bunch of social hype. It's all hype. <laughs> it's all hype, actually, yeah. It is, yeah. When you were building this and, and when you're trying to figure out how to be a, quote, you know, entrepreneur, were there some setbacks? There had to be some, you know. Oh, my God. I, so, like, I failed a million times. So, I, 
the thing about being a good entrepreneur is that you will fail and fail and fail and fail again until you succeed and then everything opens up. But you don't learn anything until you have all those failures behind you because you don't really know what you're doing. And even with Pink Tank, like I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I was just kind of winging it and doing like I marketed it like how I'd market like a radio single or a music video. I just made it really cool and I gave it that cool factor. I've got to know what you spent on that party, by the way, rigging the cops and all that. So it actually didn't cost anything. And let me tell you why. Because I was able to get these cops and all these people, actors, to come on board and do it for free because I knew that it was going to go viral. So I was able to sell them, like, look, Kylie Jenner's going to be here. You're going to be part of this big, massive thing. And everybody did it for free. In fact, not even, like, the artist charged me to ever perform at my house, ever. Like, I didn't give Ty any money or Kylie any money. <clears throat> the point is that I made the company so cool, they were like, if I'm not a part of this, this is, like, I'm whack. That's insane. So uh, here's the here's what keeps coming to my mind. You're you're like the most resourceful individual I've ever met. I think that's what keeps coming to my mind. What what's your best trait? Would you say as an entrepreneur? As an entrepreneur, is that like I just look at things differently and I know how to execute them in a way of marketing and making them very interesting. And again, making people feel like they're about to lose out on the product. It's incredible. Like, so, so what's next for you? Where are you going with this? <clears throat> so the next product right now is I'm working on a new product called Mojit, um, which I've actually partnered up with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, yep. um, to help out, which is crazy. Um, and I've got a lot of interesting people. I've got like Drake involved. I've got you know Jason Derulo involved. I just got a phone with Scott Bruschetta, who's got Taylor Swift and Rascal Flatts and Florida Georgia Line. He's the CEO of that company. And there's all these interesting things that are going to happen. And what this is actually is, is I sat back and looked at Pink Tech and I go, look. Everybody uses these animations every day, but like I want to be an animation. So I looked at Bitmoji and I saw how Bitmoji, like everybody wanted to kind of be their own personal emoji. So I wanted to 3D that and actually make it work. So think Snapchat meets Bitmoji where I can literally customize my virtual character to look just like me. And I can send messages back and forth through a Snapchat-like setting. And that's what we have. That's insane. So it's literally this, this caricature of ourselves that we build, and yeah. that's how we message back and forth. Well, we're a social expression engine, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So you raised tons of money. Matter of fact, here's where I want to go with this. You raised millions of dollars to start your company, and yeah. you seem to get the support of all these celebrities. Yeah. How? What is the key? I mean, everybody wants a scenario. They want the, the capital for the company. They want all the social clout. How do you get these people to say yes? Well, it's like when you walk into a room, I, I think a lot of these major tech companies fail because they don't have any balls. And they go, oh, I'm going to disrupt this space. and that, But half of these people have a problem even having communication skills. Like If you look at like the programmers in Palo Alto, a lot of them are like very like meek and meager and they don't like to talk, but yet they want to disrupt all these huge media companies. Like how can you do that if you can't even get laid, right? Yep. <clears throat> so I think what I'm able to do is that I'm so different. I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a music guy. I'm a mix of both. I'm like a tech-tainment, right? It's this word that I came up with. Is that <clears throat> I'm able to go into these VCs who are so used to dealing with these nerdy, not interesting people and I don't mean that in like a negative way. They're just very nerdy and they're introverts. And I go in and I'm like this loud, like, ah. But I'm also very smart in what I'm talking about and I know what I'm talking about. So it's exciting for them. And then I go over to the artist side and I speak their language 
and I speak the tech language. So I, I feel kind of both voids without being one or the other too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. It's your swagger. You stand out because you're swagger. I guess like swagger, I guess, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. I love it. I love the analogy that if you can't get laid, how can you get venture capital? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's like if you, if you want to disrupt anything, it starts with just being okay with the comfortability of you first. Yeah. You can't tell something to other people if you don't believe it yourself. That is the best freaking nugget so far of this entire thing. That is truth all day long. It's true. I'm upset. I want to shift a little bit to money mindset. You know, we talk a lot about this on this podcast and I just want to remind everyone here, you grew up in a foster system, eight mile type situation, yet you had these dreams to be a billionaire. Where did you get this huge financial thermostat from? I just want, like, I never had shit. So I wanted nice things. You know what I mean, I never had shit. So I'm just like, you know, one day I'm going to have a Ferrari. One day I'm going to have a nice watch. One day, and then I, man, here's the part about this is really important is that I now have those things, right? But it doesn't fill a void of like happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Nice things like people are always going to be like, hey, man, money doesn't make you happy. I'm like, yeah, well, it buys you a jet ski. Have you ever frowned on a jet ski? Right? Like, <laughs> that's a, like, but the truth is that money doesn't buy you happiness. It makes things comfortable for you. Happiness comes from like within, right? Mm -hmm. And money mm -hmm. makes your life comfortable. But money will never fill a void of like pure enjoyment. You like when you get lots of money, <clears throat> you'll go out, you buy a bunch of things, you have fun for a little while. Then it becomes boring, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to start filling your your life and the voids in like with things that are just really cool that money allows you to do without being super extra and just spending your asshole. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I've got uh, you know my whole life I wanted a Ferrari. I have a Ferrari. I drive it every day now and. When I get in it, it's no longer significant. I still love it, don't get me wrong, but it's no longer significant. The significant things to me are like time spent with my wife hanging out. Right. It was like cool for like what? Hell, like four or five months. You're like, oh, I got a fry. Then I was like, ah, well, it's cool. I love it. And everybody's like, oh, wow, he's got a fry. But it doesn't, it does, what makes you happy is going to spend on your wife and you probably have kids. And the, you know, those are the things that really enrich your life. I feel like the things that enrich my life the most are making impact. Do you feel like you're able to make a much bigger impact now that you're wealthy? Like, I, yes, not only that, but I also think that even if I didn't have money, I still think I would make an impact. And because like, I'm just, I'm like an explodable force. I'm like throwing a grenade in a room and shutting the door. Let's go there a minute. <laughs> so there's a lot of people, they say, well, I don't have the money yet. How can I make impact? Well, that's <clears throat> like, I didn't have food to feed myself, but I made an impact, right? Mm -hmm. Money is not a different lesson. <clears throat> there are two things here. Money does not define who you are and what you become. And where you grew up is not going to define where you'll be one day, right? Yep. And another thing I would say is it's okay to outgrow people, places, and things, right? So one of the lessons I've learned in my life that's been so important is that outgrowing people, places, and things are okay because you need to evolve, right? <clears throat> you, some of the most poorest people in the world go home smelling the high heavens. So, I mean, some of the most happiest people in the world go home smelling like a garbage truck, but they're happy, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't need money to become successful. Like everybody thinks that. That's just not true. What you do need to do is you need to hustle and get to the money to build bigger platforms, right? Mm -hmm. But you have everything that's built in you right now to become successful. Now, you'll get – so what will happen is you'll hustle, hustle, hustle. Find someone who will invest, get the money, 
blow it out, become successful. That's how it's going to work. But sitting around going like, I can't do anything unless I have money. That's just, it's not true. It's completely not true because if that's the case, then why the fuck am I here? It's the best example ever. So now that you have a ton of money, though, do you feel like you have more of a responsibility to do good things with it? <clears throat> with money comes great, like with, with, with money comes great responsibility because then you have all these things, you know, you have friends and families and, and, and charities you want to help out and all these things. Like if you have a bunch of money sitting in the bank and you're not helping people, you're an asshole. Plain and simple. Couldn't agree more. Like you should never go <clears throat> like – you should never like invest more than you than you can lose, or give more than it'll hurt you. But if you can give things and it doesn't bother you at all, like you need to, because that builds the community foundation, all those type of things. God, I couldn't agree more. Where do you like uh, making impact right now with your money? Um, so I would say like I get to hire some really awesome people. There are a few things that I'm working on. <clears throat> One, I get to hire some people to do really awesome stuff and not just pay them good money, but also like allow them to become creative. For instance, like my nephew, who I'm getting married to Janelle, Janelle's cousin, not nephew, sorry, cousin now works for us. He's our intern. But I remember sitting down with him one day and he needed a job. He's working at JCPenney. It was terrible. And he hated what he was doing. I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to film. I want to do all this. And I'm like, great. I was like, but you fucking suck at it. And he was like, no, I don't. I was like, you you, actually, you're pretty terrible at it. And it like, it really upset him. And I was like, well, do you think you're just going to be amazingly good? He's like, yes. And I was like, that's not the way it works. So you come work for me. I'm going to work you till your bones hurt. And, and let's see how much happens. So a few, like four or five weeks go by and you know, would be like, you know, babe, we're paying him all this money, but he's not learning anything. And I said, you're wrong. He's studying like a hawk. Well, he doesn't do a whole lot of stuff all day. Like I asked, I have to remind him to do stuff. I was like, yeah, but we're training him right now. So now I started shooting these vlogs, right? Yep. <clears throat> and he started filming this. And one night I was like, cool, you want to impress me? Stay up and edit because right now you fucking suck. Like you're not even good at editing. Proved to me that you could. He stayed up 24 hours editing this video. And then when I woke up, it was like, it was incredible. It looked so good. And it was amazing and really thought out well done. And, and, and then the next day he did it again. Next day, he did it again. And, and now he's getting better and better and better and better. So what we're actually doing is we're teaching somebody a skill by saying, dude, you suck right now. But the only way you get better is if you spend time doing it over and over and over and over and over and over. So it's not that I'm able to give him money. It was like I was able to pay him so he's able to sustain to get better and then show him that you're not really that talented right now, but you can get there. And it, and it pissed him off enough to go like, I'm going to prove him wrong. So that's, that's really something cool that I like that I thought was very cool that I've been doing recently. And on top of that, <clears throat> I'm, I'm setting up a foundation in my hometown where we're opening up these platforms that allows underprivileged kids, well, actually any kids, to come in and learn how to program and learn how to be creative and learn how to edit and, and video and all those things because that's the future. So I'm investing in my community by – Making sure the people who live there have good jobs and who knows how to program and edit video and all of those things because that to me that's the future. But I'm putting it in the hood, like in the hood, <laughs> like because no one puts stuff there, so I can help build out that community. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. Do you feel like that's your responsibility now? Now that you made it, is it a pay it forward thing? It is 100% my responsibility. If I do anything less than that, then I'm a douchebag. I freaking love it. What's uh, Let me ask you this. When you first got wealthy, who? what was one of the first big things you did? Like what was one of your favorite moments of giving? 
giving or purchasing? <laughs> let's, let's go with giving. Um, you know, actually, Freddie, come here. So I'm sitting here with my intern right now, and I want him to kind of jump in because there was this thing recently where we went to the gas station the other day, and there was a girl sitting on the ground <clears throat> in tears, and she and she, you could tell she was homeless, but you could tell that she had just become homeless. You know what I mean? Yep. And that she hadn't been out there for that long, maybe a couple of years. But you know, some of the homeless people you meet are like very like mentally not there, yep. and they're just very beat up. You could tell that this girl one time had a future. And so I looked at Freddie and I, I said, I can't leave her there. So I went up to her, I started talking to her, I got to know her. <clears throat> I quickly realized that she used to be this big radio personality, this big radio personality, and that she had got addicted to meth, and then her whole life went down the drain. She started like living in the streets. And so I, I said, where's your family? And she's like, you know, they're like four hours away, if I could just get home. So I told Freddie, I was like, we're, we're staying here. We're going to buy her a flight home. <clears throat> I'm going to make her call her family so they know she's okay. So we stayed there. We bought her a flight home. She got on the phone with her family. Her family had thought that she had been dead for three years. They had not heard from her in three years. They thought she was dead. They burst out into tears. I don't know what this girl is today, but I hope that we had some type of impact that allowed her to change her life because – she seemed so appreciative. And it was a ticket. It was just a, it was like a three, four hundred dollar ticket. It was like nothing. But to me, it's like if that person went home and changed their life, then that's what's worth it. Because we see homeless people out there and we walk by them. And all these people have stories. And if you stop for things and say, like, what if that was my sister? What if that was my mother? What if like that one random act of kindness can trickle? It's like throwing a stone in a pond and watching where the ripples become, right? Yep. And that was my favorite moment of doing something recently that I just loved. Dude, that is Dude. awesome. How'd you feel in that moment when she started crying, her family started crying? Oh man, my, you tore my heart out of it. Just Freddie, come here. Because I want, I like this. Freddie is a sheltered kid. He came from a very good family that sh sheltered him. He hasn't had to work for a whole lot of stuff his whole life. But I think this was one of those moments where he really realized, like, man, like I'm so lucky and blessed. And Freddie, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's uh, Freddie Luna. <laughs> What's going on, man? Hey, let, Freddie, let me ask you, how do you view money after hanging around Jeremy? How do I view money? How do you view? Oh, how do I view money? Uh, I don't, I mean, like, yeah, it's like, it's helping me, but and I realize it's not the most important thing to get me where I want to be in the future. And what so, did you learn? I'm, I'm, I'm learning just like being, treating other people kind of, or kind, and like, uh, if you treat, the way you treat people is like the way, like, you're, the people treat you. Yeah, people Hold on, treat. slow it down, because I know you get nervous. And this is kind of like an interview, and you know it's like a big deal. So, how do you really feel working here? What have you learned, and where do you think your skills will end up? And like, how do you feel like being around this situation? What do you think it's taught you? Well, I mean, it's definitely taught me like I don't know anything, and I have so much to learn. And, and I, it's like opening up the world like to me because when I was younger, I just never really had the chance to like explore and like go to travel in other places. Like I was always stuck in my own city. And so, like, when I was opened up to Jeremy and, like, he's taking me everywhere, it's just, like, realizing, like, like wow, I do not know anything and that I do need to learn. And it really got me on my feet to, like, get up and, like, start doing my own thing and, like, doing what I love. Doing what you love. Yes. That's the key of it. It's always do what you love. You should – in America, there's no reason that anybody in America with the blessings that we have should be going around doing jobs today. 
It's actually true. I actually believe that 100%. I think if you want to do something, you should be able to do it no matter what. Then how, do we, then how do we get these people to take action? Because I wholeheartedly agree with you. There's too many zombies walking around pissed off about their job and pissed off about their life. How the hell do we get them to change that? You can't. They've got to want to take action. They've got to want to take action. And you can just go like, look, you're capable of anything. But if they don't believe that, there's nothing you can do. Like you can't force somebody to believe in their self. It's called self-esteem. It's the esteem of your motherfucking self. You know what I mean? Like it's people's inner selves. I think what we need to do is go like, look, you're good enough and you're capable. And if you believe that, you can conquer anything. That's what we need to do. Rather going like, hey, man, you can do like, like showing them the steps as well, you know? Being the inspiration, showing them. Maybe, maybe you crack them open by showing them. I mean, look, people are always like, oh, man, you're so successful. I want to be you. They're like, how do we do it? And I'm like, look, look I'm this kid from a trailer park. I'm just very lucky and I'm a go-getter because, like, I believe in myself. And that's where – that's my best advice, I would say. Do you think and, you, and, do you think you have even better influence over people because you came from a really rough background, so they listen to you more instead of just being given a golden spoon? Big difference. I think that I think people are like fuck. I'll fuck with him because he's not some dude who's just like had a bunch of money and made more money. Like yo, this guy really like he came from like nothing, and like I want to listen to him because like I'm there now and he's doing this and like he you know anybody could very easily be me tomorrow. You know, is Freddie still there? I want to ask him one more question. Sure. Yes. So, Freddie, we're talking about cracking people open and, and having an influence on people. When you saw Jeremy do that for the homeless girl at the gas station, what was going through your head? What did you think? How would you feel? Uh, well, I mean, it was like I, mean, I was really appreciative for what I had. That was the first thing I noticed. And or I realized that like, I was like just like in shock. I was like, wow, like, 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 like people out there like just like not having it. And I was like really thankful and like. That really like stuck with me, and then uh, it just like I don't know like the the lesson that he got I got out of that was just like you can never surpass like anybody like if you have like that like uh never count anybody yeah out. yeah never count anybody out that's exactly what I meant that's the biggest thing is like mm -hmm. and Freddie since you've been here like, well, tell me some of the things you got to experience since you've been here <laughs> well I mean like I and, said, and this is a kid who came from a very small town I basically plucked him and dropped him in this crazy world and what's and, the small town by the way. Uh, Chino Hills. Okay. Yep. Um, and but let me just add this. Uh, before I came to work with Jeremy, uh, I was like really in my shell and I was really shy. And about a month before, I wasn't even able to go up to a McDonald's or Taco Bell or anything and order my own food because I was just that shy. And he's like really got me open to like speaking, and that's why I like it's just like a whole learning experience. And like I've been able to travel to like other places in like the United States and just like film and exactly what I want to do. And it's just like really, really awesome. Where have you been? Name some place you've been. <laughs> uh, I've been to New York, San Francisco, San Jose. Uh, let's see, where else? Well, name some of the places, the buildings you've been uh -huh. to. And like the, the buildings and just like, just like the people I get to like yeah, so, see so, and so, meet with. So break down like the people you've got to meet and their positions and the buildings you've been. I mean, so, I mean, being in that room with other people and like hire like, uh, like other Executive. Executive. Executive is like just like insane because I get to get that hands-on experience and so what buildings though? Some buildings were like when we took to New York it was like Sony uh, we came in San Francisco it was uh, Google and then another one was a uh, uh, Republic Universal Republic, Republic. Universal Republic. And but he got to sit down with the chairman of these companies. That's insane. I mean, kind of, like so I took him to Sony Music and sat down with like 
you know, you know, Mel Winters and them, which is the biggest people in the building. And then we went to uh, Universal and we sat down with, you know, um, Avery and Monty Littman and those guys. Like, you know, then we went to Google and we met with the head of the whole, you know, the whole, the whole AR VR team and the head of uh, Google Ventures. Like, it was a very, you know, he's seen some, and he's been around a ton of celebrities now for sure. Like, um, but what the biggest thing that I think is really cool with what he just said is like, he was a very introverted person before he got here. And now he's like just flourishing, which I love. So let's ask him about that. Freddie, last question for you, buddy. What do you see for your future, let's say in five years, now that Jeremy has this influence over you? Well, I'm, I'm not sitting in these meetings just like, just to be there. I'm actually taking in what's being told and like what's being, what I'm being, what I'm being like, like what I'm hearing and stuff. And so if I gain enough like, like a uh, knowledge and understanding of how business works and, and how like things work around and how you're supposed to talk to people. And it's basically all about communication. And I think like that's all, that's a main goal to what I can do because if I, if I can just, I can do whatever I want, you know? And if I like nothing's stopping me unless I have that strive. And did you think that way before hanging with Jeremy? Not at all. Like I said, the guy who was not able to talk to like the person that was able to uh, take my order. That's insane. You're literally going to have huge, massive impact on the world because of Jeremy paying it forward. That's how it works, man. Yes, 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 it is. I freaking I mean, love that's it. what I did, though. You know I mean, like, I don't, that's the thing about me is, like, I don't ever go, like, oh, man, I'm changing your life. Like, I don't, I don't look at it like that. Like, I'm just like, yo, he's family, first of all. And I'm going to start with my family for sure. You know what I mean? Because that's what's really important to me. You know what I mean? One of the last questions I have for you, because you mentioned family, you, you mentioned you're not afraid to outgrow people. Were there family members or friends that you had to transcend in order to become successful? Oh my God, yes. I mean, there were so many people in my life that allowed, like, there were so many good people along the way that really helped. Like, almost like it takes a village to raise a child type situation. Mm -hmm. I had some really good mentors along the way that I just, people just liked me. I don't know if I'm just like a likable person or what the deal is, but like, I'm very lucky and blessed to have had wonderful people in my life, despite all the terrible people. And who'd you have to leave behind? Were there people you had to cast out of your life? Oh, man. There was, like, so many friends. Um, again, outgrowing people, places, and things. There were so many friends that I had to leave behind, not because I wanted to, just because they weren't they weren't able to go with me where I was heading, right? Yep. Not because I didn't want them to, because they just weren't mentally ready. And no matter what I did, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to break through that there was a much bigger picture, you know? And I just knew there was a bigger picture, and, and it hurts me, and it sucks, but I really, you know, sometimes just outgrow people. You said it hurts you. Were these people you cared about, but you knew they could not be a part of the picture going forward? Yes. How'd, yes. You, how'd you reconcile that? How'd you make that break? I just knew that they were intellectually incapable of understanding where things were heading, mm -hmm. and that they were still stuck, you know, because a lot of people were people from Maine where I grew up, you know, and they just they didn't see the bigger picture. Like you've got to have a lot of vision to kind of, to kind of rock with me, to be honest with you. You've got it. Like not anybody can just come and, and be around every day without seeing the bigger picture. And people always want to just jump in like, Oh, I want to meet celebrities. I want to uh, like be famous. Like, and that's just the wrong attitude to have. And I immediately see that and just get pe those people out of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So how do you get them out of your life? Because there's a lot of people I know in that situation, and that's that's the hurdle holding them back right now. They care about someone, but they know they need to transcend them. How do they do it? Um, to be honest with you, I just cut them off. I give people a couple opportunities, and then once like I realize I can't help them anymore, I'm like, look, 
this is not working and I'm trying to do this and you're trying to do that and it's just not working. And, and I think we need to just part ways. You got to make that break or you're not going to move forward. You got to cut the fat, man. I call it cutting the fat. You really do. All right. So before I ask you the last question, I want to ask you this, uh, where can we find you? Everyone's going to want to check you out. Um, they can find me on Instagram at real Jeremy green. Um, R E A L J E R E M Y G R E E N E. That's my Instagram. Or I just started like this new YouTube channel. It's like get zero. It's got like 58 subscribers. It's so new. It's like, <laughs> but like, it's literally just nothing right now, but it will be huge. Um, because I got a lot of huge YouTube friends going to help blow it up with me. Um, you can just go look on YouTube and just type in Jeremy Green and don't listen to my terrible music, but go to like my vlogs and stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I'm always on my Instagram as well. I'm always reachable on there as well. All right, perfect. And before I ask you a last question, how can my audience help serve you? What can we promote? What can we do for you? Just me. That's awesome. pretty much it. Awesome. Um, I think that, you know, Jeremy Green is becoming a brand in itself. Well, it is now. Um, that emoji is really a big thing. And when that product is live, I'd really like you guys to support that. Um, but I'm trying to become like this entrepreneur, like figure where it's like kind of like, what's his name there? Who are some big entrepreneurs that get those big seminars and stuff, right? Like, like, a, yeah. like a Tony Robbins type thing? Yeah, like a Tony Robbins. Like I want to start eventually doing those. Because I actually have my own summit coming out called like, the Younger Summit. Um, and we have an event coming up. I got to look at the date on it, but you know, I'm speaking there. We've, we've already sold tickets to it. Um, I'm going to start doing a lot of these seminar speaking stuff and teaching people how to go from a zero to a hundred real quick <laughs> and, and marketing and how to kind of get your foot in the door with these things. So I'm kind of building that process out and I'm like, I'm not like jamming it down. The I'm just like organically letting it happen by doing interviews about myself and just these type of things. But I think eventually it's going to turn into something those type of things. Well, I'm actually in the middle of writing a book as well called Whatever It Takes, literally about my entire life. Um, and, you know, just things like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be like the world's best CEO. I just, just trying to be a random guy who thinks maybe he can give some knowledge to some people. Man, you have more than enough knowledge to give to people. Okay, last signature question. And by the way, we will sure. totally support everything that you're doing. You got to let me know when that event is. Um, Thank you. Last signature question is this. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? There's nothing wrong with wanting nice things. And in, in fact, in America, that's, that's what we strive off here, is that we're the most powerful country in the world because we're unapologetic of being a boss. And you should never be apologetic for wanting to better your life and, and, and set up the future of your families. Like, making money is not a bad thing. What you do with that money is what matters, right? Mm -hmm. And buying yourself and rewarding yourself is just, it's, a, it's rewarding yourself for the hard work that you put in, you know? Like, you bought a Ferrari, you know? Yep. But like, you know, you bought a Ferrari because you can buy a Ferrari, but also it makes you feel good to have Ferrari. But on top of that, you did that shit because you just can. You know what I mean? If, if you're gonna stun on some people and hurt their feelings, then it's just what it is. Man, best <laughs> part of that answer, I loved when you said, Nothing wrong with making money. It's what you do with it that matters. That sums yep. up this whole thing perfectly. I agree. I Love agree. It. Jeremy, I can't say thank you enough, man. Totally appreciate all your knowledge, your story, and we cannot wait to support you. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you for having me on. Like, I hope I hope people really enjoy it, and, uh, you know... Hope you guys have me back. Man, they're going to love it. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, 
please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.